Lingua Britannica is a podcast that uses ethnographic interviews to study language use in the extreme metal community. We are studying a music scene known for its love of themes and topics generally considered offensive, and it is likely that some episodes will touch on topics or opinions some listeners may find tasteless or ethically problematic. Ethnographic researchers aim to adopt the interviewee's point of view so that we can draw out and study the attitudes, beliefs, and practices that are important to them. We want to make it clear that in presenting these conversations here, we do not endorse any of their content. Our aim is to explore the thought processes behind language use in this long-running, international and yet understudied scene. And welcome back to Liga Britannica with me, Jess Crook, and my co-host, Wes Robertson. Hello. Uh, with us today is Cheney Crabb of Entheos. Uh, thanks for making the time to chat. Yeah, thanks for having me, you guys. I'm excited to uh, dive into the world of lyrics with you. We're excited <laughs> to have you. <laughs> yeah, stars. So to start off, how would you describe Entheos' um, music? Uh, what, what kind of like metal genre would you say it falls under? Uh... I guess to make things short and sweet, I would call us progressive death metal. Mm -hmm. uh, you could go in a lot of ways with that. We've got like elements of jazz and grunge and rock and it goes in a million ways, but just to nicely package it, we say progressive death metal. So how did you get into the style of music that Entheos makes? Like when you were first getting into metal music, did you start with the kind of progressive death metal or did you move in through another pathway? No, I started, I mean, I started playing metal when I was probably 13 and it was through new metal. That's what mm -hmm. was really popping off when I was a kid. Um, so I just kind of went to a bunch of local shows and found my way into death metal and then the early stages of deathcore, like 2005 deathcore, which is different than it is now. Sure. Um, and through that, you know, I got into bands like The Faceless and Veil of Maya, and then I got into way more progressive death metal like Opeth. And, you know, I just kind of went down the rabbit hole. So that's what, how I got into all of that stuff, really. Did you have like a, a guide at all or did you do all this kind of just finding it out yourself and jumping through? Because, like, you know, 2005 with the Internet connections and stuff like that uh, wasn't as, you know, there wasn't like metal Twitter and all that. Uh, how did you how did you find your way through that passage? Um, back then, it was just friends showing me music. And, you, you know, because I was in bands basically my entire life, I always had friends around me who were into the kind of music that I was into. And, mm -hmm. you know, inevitably you come across people who are into a more niche uh, style of metal. And, you know, I have friends who have gotten me into post rock and hardcore and all of that stuff so it it was just a through playing music and through being obsessed with music um that's one of the coolest parts about being around musicians all the time is that they're introducing you to new cool stuff to listen to and is there anything in particular that kind of drew you to prog specifically like you said that you kind of eventually went through kind of death metal into prog was there anything about like prog music or lyrics that you know really appealed to you Oh, yeah. The lyrical content like prog lyrics are super, you know, they're concept albums and they can be trippy and wild. Um, 
and not necessarily focus on like the the tropes of death metal like killing and pillaging and destruction or politics um they're a little more um cerebral the topics in progressive metal so I've always been into that that drew me into it and just the spaciness of the music uh I don't know maybe it's because I've I'm a stoner but I like listening to, <laughs> to spacey music and that's just and and it's super melancholy as well mm. that's a that's something that I really seek in the music that I listen to so all of those elements brought me into it. So when you first encountered just straight up, you know, like death metal, death metal, did you feel that the kind of killing, murder, uh, pillaging stuff wasn't for you right away? Or uh, did it have a different effect when you first heard it? Um, I knew, I, I'm, I've never been against it. Some of my favorite bands talk about that type of stuff. I love Cannibal Corpse. I love Dying Fetus. All of that stuff, I love but as far as the lyrical content goes I just know that as a lyricist I can't relate to any of that <laughs> and and I very much am the type of person who likes to get on stage and feel the emotion of what I'm saying and feel mm -hmm. like it's actually truly coming from my heart and so I just as a lyricist I wasn't drawn to that type of stuff I joined a band uh, a local band in Iowa called from citizen to soldier and a lot of their lyrics were political and, and about that kind of stuff. And when I, uh, I went through and kind of rewrote their material because I knew that I didn't mm -hmm. want to sing. I couldn't passionately sing about that type of stuff. So that's, I, I did know pretty early on for sure. And I suppose given that you've just said that like, you know, prog lyrics tend to be a lot more kind of like cerebral or um, abstract as opposed to, you know, the kind of like uh, gore violence lyrics um, that we typically yeah. see in like, you know, your death metals and um, that kind of thing. Do you think then that like prog metal lyrics are still kind of recognizably metal? Like, you know, could you distinguish like prog lyrics from, I don't know, like alt rock lyrics? Sometimes not. Sometimes mm. you definitely can't distinguish them. Um yeah, and I find there to be a lot of similarities between the two things, between like alternative stuff. And I'm very drawn to those kind of lyrics too. It's like even as far as bands like Death Cab for Cutie goes, that's mm -hmm. one of my favorite bands. Uh, ben Gibbard is like one of my favorite lyricists of all time. And really, if you took some Death Cab lyrics, you could throw them right into a progressive metal album and they would fit perfectly. Uh, mm. So yeah, I don't, I don't think that there's ne necessarily a huge way to differentiate between those sometimes. It just depends. You know, every, I couldn't put a blanket statement over the whole entire genre of prog, but mm. it, but a lot of the time, no. I guess for the opposite side, have you ever listened to a, a, a song in the kind of the prog metal genre that you really vibe with? And then you checked out the lyrics and you didn't enjoy them because they weren't good or weren't, I guess, didn't feel appropriate to metal in a way? No. No? No, not really. <laughs> I don't think I've ever checked any lyrical, anything out lyrically that I thought didn't fit. I kind of think, I don't think metal is like a one size fits all thing. Mm -hmm. I don't really look at it that way. So honestly, anything can fit within the genre, truly. So even like store, I don't know, songs about cute, things would are, are <laughs> would work i mean 
it depends how far you want to take that because there are mm -hmm. parody there are parody videos of people making metal songs mm -hmm. with cute lyrics so i guess it just depends you know how far your scope of metal what we're allowing to be considered metal are we against like stuff that's not true metal because if mm -hmm. we if we aren't against that then anything you know, Psycho Stick has songs about like beer, beer is good and a bunch of satirical stuff mm -hmm. and that's metal. So, I mean, anything can be really. Would that's it be kinda... weird though, if it was mm. like a sincere, like, mm. you know, song about like, I don't know, a meat cute or something like that, like, would that be out of place? It, I don't know. I'd have to hear it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. I'd have okay. to judge it. I see what you're getting at for sure. Mm. That it, that. What it would do is cross the line of cheesiness, which is something mm -hmm. that I'm not really into mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. with lyrics. But I, d I don't know if I would be like, this does not belong in metal. Because mm -hmm. <laughs> Psychostick position themselves as like comedy, right? Totally. Whereas yes. like if Opeth had, you know, um, the grand conjuration of like the grand fluffy bunny and they sang about, you know, like a, a cat cafe or something would that. I mean, it's like, cadence doesn't change, right? Cadence doesn't change, music mm -hmm. doesn't change. But what he's saying is is about like a trip to, you know, a pet a cat. Would that affect the song uh, for in a way? For Opeth, yeah, probably. Okay, mm. for sure. Okay, but it's a it's a band by band thing because I would also say that like a band like Ghost, mm -hmm. they can kind of stretch. <laughs> the scope of like what's silly and what's not you know mm -hmm. like yeah. that whole musical the rats thing and i mean yeah mm -hmm. so it really just depends on the band okay hmm. my band for my band mm -hmm. i don't think it would fit at all okay <laughs> so i'm not gonna be doing it but <laughs> well talking of your band um when did you start writing lyrics I started writing lyrics when I was probably uh, 12. Okay. I have, I have like notebooks that I still have in a chest that my dad made of just lyrics on lyrics. I used to write all the time when I was a kid. Granted, they were extremely juvenile and like not, not, not great lyrics, but I was trying. That's for sure. So I've been they, writing for a long time. Were they metal lyrics? They were metal lyrics. Yeah, for sure. So like, what would, I mean, you don't have to like give examples of, of stuff you wrote when you're 12, but if you were to compare, you know, like what, is there a difference into how you approach like writing for a metal song back then compared to now in terms of like the basic fundamentals of what words you're going to use or how you're going to tackle this task? Oh yeah. I mean, a lot has changed as I've evolved as a songwriter, but, um, and back then I wasn't writing to songs per se. I was just like writing poetry as if it mm -hmm. was metal, metal lyrics. So a lot has changed. Um, but the overall vibe, strangely enough, hasn't changed. Like my mom sent me a poem that I wrote when I, when I was that young. And it was something about death being beautiful. Mm -hmm. And I, I can't remember the other lyrics on it, but it's like, you know, overall, I still sort of write in that kind of melancholy way. So that part of me hasn't changed much. Hmm. Interesting. So 
I guess, um, broadly speaking, you know, there, there's always been the kind of clash of metal is are the lyrics meant to be kind of personal or are the lyrics meant to be kind of entertainment going back to the cannibal corpse thing versus, you know, writing, given that your background is kind of in that poetry, would you say that your lyrics have always been more about like yourself and your feelings, or do you also try to have kind of an entertainment approach to how you, um, produce kind of a, a song's themes? No, it's always been, uh, you know, about me or about things that I'm going through. Granted, it's not always completely literal. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always seen through kind of that prog scope, I guess. Uh, but I don't ever write anything that's theatrical. That's just not my my shtick, really. We've had a few people talk to us before that also kind of mentioned that they like to be personal. But we've also wondered, like, when you go back to a song that you've written two, three albums ago, is it sometimes hard to get back into the space you were um, when writing that song? Like, have you ever, are there any songs you don't feel like performing anymore because you can't identify with the space you were in when you wrote those lyrics about, you know, yourself? Yeah, I mean, I can't really identify with performing the our songs off of our EP or off of our first full length just because I'm I do I mean first of all I just don't feel like they were fully thought out lyrics like well mm. thought out and well done lyrics and that more so prevents me from wanting to do them mm. than that I don't relate it's just that you know I'm sort of a perfectionist and I self-audit a lot so just knowing that my lyrical content is better and more mm-hmm. well-written now pr- really prevents me from wanting to play that stuff live, but I still will. I think mm-hmm. that, you know, a lot of the time with metal, it's more about the the voice being there than, uh, than the lyrical content mattering in a live basis or in a live uh, setting. So I'm still okay with playing them, but... Mm-hmm. I don't really want to go back and listen to them very much. <laughs> On the kind of inverse of that, is it ever difficult to put something personal into something that, you know, potentially millions of people will hear? No, not at all. Um, that is the stuff that resonates the most with me when I'm, you know, performing it for an album and then performing it in a live setting. So to me, that's the easiest thing to put out there because that's the thing that I most emotionally connect to. And I want to emotionally connect with my music because I think that that also helps other people connect with it emotionally. So, uh, no, I, I've never had a problem with that. Um, it comes pretty naturally to me, I think. How about in terms of like how you communicate, like, um, you know, the context behind the songs to like, for instance, your bandmates, like, um, do you give them like just kind of a general like idea of like the kind of concept behind like lyrics for a given song? Or do you like, yeah, how much information do you give typically, especially well, if it is so- like kind of a personal basis? Yeah. So um, Naveen, who is like the main songwriter of my band, he's really the other member of the band. He's my fiance. So I pretty much tell him everything, every, you know, every little detail about what it's Mm -hmm. about. We we go really in depth with that stuff. So he's very, very aware. Um, My other bandmates, I don't really explain in detail unless they ask me, but, Mm -hmm. but yeah, with him, he knows everything and he's the one writing the music. So I think that it, 
transfers into what he's creating as well. And we kind of, you know, work together in that way. Do the, the skeletons of the songs usually come first or have you written lyrics for songs that don't exist yet? Uh, usually, so I have written lyrics for songs that don't exist yet, but usually what ends up happening is that if I do use those lyrics, once I'm putting patterns together and listening to the music, it becomes like an amalgamation of a bunch of different things that fit mm -hmm. together. So it okay. just, you know, because in metal, we're really focused on like phrasing and a lot of the time patterns you want to fit a lot of words into a little space. So you have to sacrifice certain aspects of sentences and words. Um, so writing a bunch of lyrics before we write a song doesn't really work a lot of the time, sometimes, but. And has your kind of um, conception of like the lyrical content for a song ever kind of conflicted with what Naveen had in mind for a song? No. Never. Okay. <laughs> yeah, never. So is no, he ever like come up with like concepts of the song when he's like written it or is it usually just like this is a song like you kind of like write whatever you feel is suitable? Yeah, it's always been um pretty much agreed upon that I'm the lyricist and he's the songwriter and that's mm -hmm. just how it goes. But luckily while he's writing songs, I'm there. And while I'm writing mm. lyrics, he's there. So, you know, he tracks the vocals. So it's like, mm -hmm. it's very much um, Naveen and I going back and forth on everything. And I will ask him when I'm in the studio, does this line sound good? Should I phrase it another way? So it does, there is a partnership in, mm -hmm. in both the music and the vocal writing for sure. But um. Yeah, no, not neither of us really object to each other's ideas very much. We're pretty, pretty much on the same page. Cool. Hmm. Well, with that kind of set up, then I think uh, we like to go into asking about sort of the specific lyrical content. Um, and we wanted to start by looking at some tendencies across the first three albums uh, in terms of both similarities and discrepancies. Uh, the first being something that was kind of striking to us is a change in style that we noticed across the three releases. In that on your first album, you have kind of what I guess we could call a disjointed style and that the lines kind of tell a story, but individually they're somewhat staccato, like they punctuate without direct grammatical links to each other. Um, as in the start of the infinite nothing, you say full sets of decaying teeth, skin sunken and thin, dying like an art, navigating so carefully, the sun becomes the sign of a solemn separation and the sleep, uh, or on terminal stages of nostalgia, conversation dilutes, your mind wanders easily, catch your balance, fever dreams. Uh, this style seemed to decrease on the second release. And now on the third one, you kind of have paragraphs that connect as in lines like, and here with all life before my eyes, boundless and limited, limitless, what I would hope to be, if not everything, sorry, what would I hope to be, if not everything? I found a place no one can reach and there is no return where they kind of link as a entire sentence almost. Um, is this cohesive, I guess, if we call it style, something that you have noticed in your writing? And if so, kind of what brought about this change from the more uh, sort of disjointed lines that came on the more earlier releases? Yeah, absolutely. That was that goes back to like what I said about self auditing a lot. So I've gone through my lyrics many times and I've like I try to figure out ways to make them more um they're never going to be completely literal, but I want them to be able to be connected with and understood 
in a way that I don't think that the like staccato line delivery was doing as much as I am doing now. So Mm -hmm. I do. That is a huge goal of mine to continue in that way. I like doing that. I like, um, I like writing in that style. So yeah, yeah, I did. It was something that I have tried to improve over the years for sure. Is there kind of a fundamental irony in seeking accessibility within extreme metal? I don't know. I mean, I guess some people would say so, but I've never found it to be that way, really. I don't, I think that everyone sort of wants to be understood mm-hmm. to an extent. So it's, it's natural to do that, to, to not necessarily seek accessibility, but seek for other people to be able to relate and understand to where you're coming from. Hmm. Would it be like disappointing to you if I suppose the listeners like weren't able to kind of access like the ideas or concepts behind like lyrics? No, because (laughs) no, because one of my favorite things to do with my best friend when I was a kid was drive around and latch on to lines out of our favorite songs. And we would seriously just drive around the the country roads outside of Des Moines and try to decipher what the lyricist was trying to say. So that's Mm. like ingrained in me that people will run no matter what I can get on this program and a bunch of people can hear the lyrics, but at the end of the day, they're going to take lines out of the songs and they're going to apply them to their own lives. So that honestly, to me is a great gift when people do that. I've had people come back to me, repeat lyrics to me and tell me what it meant to them. And it may be a million miles off from what the lyrics are supposed to be about, but it means something to them. And that is really the important thing to me in in the what we're talking about, like seeking mm-hmm. the accessibility. I just want mm. people I just want people to be able to take aspects of my lyrics and relate them to their own lives Hmm. so if someone quote-unquote misinterprets a song that you wrote that was very very personal to you you're okay with that because they're taking it on their own way absolutely 100 percent. what if it's like exactly 180 degrees (laughs) i guess well what would that mean like you wrote a song about i don't know like overcoming hardship and they're like i like how this song is about wallowing in hardship I'm okay with that as long as we're not talking. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, that's just how the world is. Like no one even, if I asked someone else to describe me as I am, mm. they're never going to describe me to me the way that I see myself. So mm. what can, how can I really expect that out of people who listen to my music and, and read the lyrics that I write? Hmm. Well, I suppose this is kind of a broader question that we've like tackled somewhat like occasionally um, on the podcast is like, you know, to what degree do like artists have ownership over the interpretation of songs and like to what degree do they have responsibility for a listener's interpretation of the songs? And it seems like from what you're saying is that like, you know, once it's kind of out there, then it's really up to the listeners as to like how they'll kind of take it and apply it. Is that yeah, or less so your view? The way that I view making an album is that right now the album belongs to me because it hasn't been released there are three Mm. songs there are three songs that don't really belong to us anymore because they're singles and they're out there in the world but once the record 
is out, it really doesn't belong to us anymore. It belongs to Mm. us in the sense that we're going to play it live. It's our song and we're credited with that. But beyond that, like any interpretation or any love that anyone finds for it, it's, it's not mine anymore. It's, it's theirs. Hmm. Well, talking further about kind of patterns that we've observed across your albums, one thing that we did notice in terms of like kind of similarity and consistency uh, is repetition of lines across songs. Uh, So for instance, language uh, guide me, allow the words to shed light and consume me appears on the first two tracks of 2016's uh, The Infinite Nothing. Uh, And I begin questioning the very things I've come to be appear on tracks two and three of your new album. Um, And the track, uh, The Sinking Sun, ends with a line, time will take us all, which is the name of the track that follows it. Um, So what is the goal of this repetition of lines across kind of new contexts? And how do you decide which lines are good enough to appear on more than one song? A lot of the time it has to do with... uh what's going on musically sometimes when I repeat stuff it will be like um because the same musical part is happening again later on the record but really I guess I've just always had fun with putting those kind of easter eggs (laughs) around around albums and seeing if people catch on to them and when they do it's like the coolest thing ever because I can tell that they're really paying attention we do that with I I thought today I was like, I wish that I would have sent you guys the album because the album does that a lot too. We like to do that musically. Mm. Uh, we, we like to br- have, N- Naveen was making me uh, fun of me earlier because I was referring it as a, referring to it as a motif, which it is technically a motif, yeah. but you know, that's the nerdy way to say it. But there are motifs that repeat throughout our entire album and they're fun like things that happen over and over again. And I guess that, for us, that's just like a part of the Prague. <laughs> a part of the Prague. Okay. It's all a part of the Prague. Is is it something that like you can only do in, is that, like, am I reading into this too much? Is it something you can only kind of do in Prague? Like. No, no, that's reading into it too okay. much. I think, <laughs> I, I think that really it's just something that we think is cool. Like when we find things like that on albums mm-hmm. that we love, um, so yeah, that's really where it comes from. Well, how do you decide which lines are cool enough or good enough to appear more than once on an album? Yeah, that was a I don't really know how to answer that. I don't know. I guess it's just what the what I feel the lyrics call for. I never <laughs> see I never see a line and say, "Wow, that's a freaking that's like the best line I've ever written. That one needs to be repeated 3 times." But if I have the same feeling again, Mm. like on the new album there, there's a whole part uh, from the interior wilderness that repeats again in darkest day, which is um, taking back. uh, God, what's, I can't think of the lyrics off the top of my head, but it's like your kingdom is crumbling down. uh, But in the first time it's me, like my conscience talking to me. And the second Mm -hmm. time it's me saying that to a friend. Mm. So that, uh, yeah, I don't really know how I decide. Thanks for asking me though, because now (laughs) I'm going to think about that a lot more. 
I mean, does it have anything to do with like the overall kind of like thesis of a given like song or series of songs on an, on an album? Like do those kind of lines help highlight like, a, you know, a kind of core idea or anything? Well, definitely. Just like mm. in the, just like in what I just said, like yeah. uh, the lines, I think in the first song mean something different than they mean in the second song, but they are set they can be said in the exact same way so mm. yeah for sure so um another kind of common thing we noted was that on all of your albums you often use the first person perspective but there has been a rather marked increase in this use over time so on your first album you use the word i 31 times uh which is 3.875 per song on average um, not a small amount, but there are 90 uses of I in your second, which is an average of nine per song. And there are 119 uses of I, which is an average of 11.9 per song on the new album. Uh, first and foremost, generally speaking, is this I you and has it always been you? Like, uh, is the I in a line such as I have witnessed the radiance of the sun and I know that I am the one with the illusion from 2016, the same I as it was just like a dream I had when I was young. The earth birthed the mirror. I opened my eyes and my future appeared from the newest release. Yeah, it's always it's always me. For sure. Um, well, then, did you notice the increased use of I or are you somewhat surprised that it's gone up uh, over three times uh, in frequency over the over the course of your albums? I'm incredibly surprised and I wonder you know, I've been thinking about this because I knew that we were going to talk tonight. And I wonder if it's just because I became far, I've become far more confident in my role in the band over time. And hearing that makes me wonder if that is why I've used the word I even more. Like I'm finally feeling like I've stepped into the role full time. And that's why I feel comfortable doing that. Hmm. that's that's really hmm. fascinating to me well one thing we noticed as well is based on the single that you've released um this album is the first uh, NTS record to feature your own clean vocals um so did you notice differences in how you approach uh language use when kind of singing versus you know quote-unquote screaming um like does it affect this usage of I do you think I don't know if that affects the usage of I however there is there are differences in it in singing, you can sort of fit, you can fit words in, in a different way. Whereas in screaming, you're really focused on like patterns. And I like to write staccatoed patterns a lot. And, you know, syllables become a huge issue. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you go under syllable, it can sound strange. If you go over syllable, it can sound strange. So you're kind of in these constraints of making the pattern as good as it can be and then language is brought in but with singing you can almost just write whatever you want and fit it in um it's not you don't have to be so focused on all of those things in the same way so that definitely changed in those singing parts you mentioned earlier that you've never had any problem kind of you know singing about yourself and putting your own experiences into songs but is there any difference in putting yourself out there when the lyrics aren't, you know, guttural screams, like when people can understand what you're saying without the lyric book, does that make it a little scarier at all or change how you approach it? It doesn't change how I approach it. It does. It did make it a little scarier. It mm -hmm. 
I felt a little more uh, naked doing that. And I think I feel like I don't get me wrong. I like agonized over my lyrics for a long time, a long time. I'll go back and edit, rewrite. But for that song, I found myself doing it a lot. And I definitely think it was because the words were a little more clear. Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it was interesting how that worked. Is there anything in particular that you recall editing? Yeah, in the chorus, which I guess isn't fully singing, I there's a part where I say, uh, it's like in my head, like a void lost in the lapse of time. You are the calm. I am the world on fire. I can feel the sunlight draining us all. Every day is nothing but a death to me. Then the putting every day is nothing but a death to me felt so weird to me in like a more understood lyric. Mm. I don't know why. I guess I didn't mm. end up changing it in the long run. I, I rolled with it because I, I did like it, but for some reason that passage just stuck out to me i don't know it was weird and if it had been screamed do you think you wouldn't have uh given it kind of a second thought kind of thing yeah i think i wouldn't have cared as much what brought about like the the challenge of clean vocals in this one um clean vocals that's something i've always wanted to put in the band i was a singer before i was Mm -hmm. a screamer i just hadn't really found the song to do it in yet and I, with just me and Naveen writing together, Naveen, I wanted him to write some stuff that like fit that style. And we didn't want to write the kind of metal song where you're just throwing singing in there just to have it. And it doesn't really fit at all. So everything that we wrote was with singing in mind. Like Mm -hmm. we knew that I was going to sing on that song. Oh, so you like, before you even started writing, you approached and said, I would like to have some riffs that could you know feature clean singing and absolutely i mean i'm real i'm really into like doom and post-rock and (laughs) chelsea wolf and emma ruth rundle and all of that type of stuff Mm -hmm. and i i want to find a way to incorporate that into like progressive technical metal so that's Mm -hmm. really where i want to go with it So we talked about your use of I in uh, songs, but we also saw that um, the albums do seem to um, become more kind of inclusive over time as well um, in their use of like, you know, we and us. Uh, So the the first first album uses these two words, um, uh, yeah, 10 and two times respectively, and then uh, 21 and 13 times um, on the second, so 21 for we, 13 for us, and uh, there's 16 we's and 15 um, us's uh, on the third release. Um, So what do you think might have brought about this change, Um, and was this kind of intentional um, to include, you know, for instance, the listener in lines like we weren't meant to be saved? I don't know. No, I don't, I have no, in this case, I have no idea why that changed. <laughs> and I haven't even thought about it until this moment. But in that particular line, it was almost like in absolute zero, it was kind of me speaking to myself. So it was like the we was me and me. Okay. Does, yeah. Does that make sense? Like it's yeah. A part a part of the song is me, <laughs> and a part of the song is like 
me speaking to myself and about how I feel about the way that I'm approaching life. So the we in that case was me. Are are there we's in us that is like, I mean, when when in other cases, is it everyone? Is it people listening oh, yeah. to the album? Is it? Oh, it's okay. Yeah. In other cases, it's usually all inclusive, like all of us. But in that specific song, it was me speaking to me. Okay. Well, what about then uh, the use of you? Because initially in your lyrics, you started by rarely using this word. There's only eight uses on your first album and seven on your second. So actually a decrease. But uh, the word use, you, excuse me, uh, you appears 26 times on your newest album. Uh, so to kind of repeat this two part style question we've been doing, first, uh, kind of who is this you? Like when you ask questions, say, uh, if you take it all away, flesh and bone and blood, what is it that you will have to give? Is this directed towards the listener? Or lines like, I cling to the thought of who you were, I speak to them in dreams, directed at a specific person. Uh, the first one is directed at the listener for sure. Um, and it's kind of asking the question of, you know, when you die, who is the person, who is the soul that exists? Like what are, what is the, the core you? And mm -hmm. in the second, uh, that was actually a song that was directed at a person and it's about them as you, but I feel like in all of these instances, I very much write so that the you could apply to anyone. Mm -hmm. If you read it, if you read it, you could be the you, no matter how I intended it. What if it's like really angry? Like we, we've, we've had this conversation with some other artists that talk about you as a, the you know traditional I stab you, I, you know, <laughs> yeah. kill you, I maim you. Uh, and when you're on stage, right, if you have a song that's written about someone that you were angry at and you're singing it and you're looking at a fan right in the eyes, um, is there something odd there? Like, like what if the, if the you is directed at somebody that you're not happy with and a fan puts them in that position, what happens then? I never really think about that. I guess at that moment, it's the fan, the you is the <laughs> fan. And, it, you know, you sort of detach in a way in a live show from certain lyrical things it just depends but uh mm. yeah it's them in that moment they're not okay. the horrible person but it's you <laughs> mm. <laughs> they're on the receiving end of it though <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so but the, with that being with mm. that being said none of my yous are ever really mean mm. really yeah yeah okay yeah. interesting wait so you've never written an angry you in a death metal song i just don't really write angry music I don't, or I don't really write angry lyrics. That's the weird thing. Like any, any angry thing that I write about always also has like this sense of like, um, you can overcome it or mm. you can change what's going on. You know, it all comes from within. It's never really, it's never really said with anger. I mean, if you were to show your music to someone who wasn't a metal fan, they'd probably say this sounds very angry, right? Oh, I mean, God, yeah. They comment that on my Instagram all the time. Right, right. Because you, you must be angry. <laughs> well, you went viral recently a few times, right? For You got retweeted by like a rapper? I, I guess. I never know who re retweets me, but I do know that Drake followed us on Instagram. Oh, so wow. It must, have been, it must have been a rapper, yeah. 
Well, there was one on, on, tw- on Twitter. There was like a video of you in the studio that got, I saw went, um. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't remember who that was, but anyway, yeah, it's like, that's how I know that my videos have gone viral is if I start singing or seeing comments like, she's really pissed off. She must be really mad. <laughs> but yeah, of course, of course, mm-hmm. people are going to take it as mm-hmm. anger. I mean, but I can't change what mm. they think about it because mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of people who are keyed into metal don't take it that way. Right, right. Yeah, for sure. So, it kind of goes, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about when the, when the album's out in the world, it's everyone else's. And mm-hmm. however they want to interpret that, I can't stop any of that. So it mm-hmm. just isn't something that can bother me because I just like things out of my control. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, tr- if I tried to have control over those things, it would just make me angry. <laughs> ironically, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Ironically. Okay. Uh, so then just broadly, what do you think brought about the increased use of you on the new album? I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> That's fascinating. Mm. Interesting. Well, I, we often like pose these kind of questions and people don't necessarily know what the yeah. you know response is at the moment. But yeah. um, we do often get like, you know, messages and stuff from people like, you know, a week or several months later being like, oh, I actually have a thought on this now. So if you I have bet. such a thought, let yeah. us know. <laughs> yeah, I will. It's always I bet interesting. Because here's the thing is that rarely as lyricists do we like go fully in depth top- talking about our lyrics. So mm you know, you guys are asking questions that people have never really asked me. So it's cool to have a chance to think on these things, but to answer them right, right away, I'd have to think them out for sure. Well, yeah. there's not even always a reason. Like we, we ask every yeah, question assuming, we, uh, yeah, we, we prepare every question and ask it, assuming there's a reason and assuming there's an intent, because if there is, it's very interesting, but totally. you know, oftentimes there isn't, that's fine too. Yeah. Uh, totally. Yeah. Well, picking up on something that you said earlier um, about like, you know, a lot of your songs not necessarily being angry, at least in terms of the actual like content. So even if there is like, you know, a song that could have, I don't know, kind of angry components, if you like, there's always kind of a positive kind of component to it as well, given that, you know, um, you were saying that like oftentimes there's kind of a focus on how, you know, challenges or difficulties can be overcome. Is there a reason why you try to kind of embed or, or go back to this kind of positive perspective in a lot of your songs? Yeah, I mean, I think that it all comes like, so the root, the name of our band is Entheos, right? It's the root word for for enthusiasm. It's a Greek word and it means the God within. So I look at that as you are the God within, you can create your own reality. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of how, that's what all of our lyrics have always been based on. And that's really the root of it. That's the root of the positivity is that I really believe that people can achieve really great things if they want to but it all has to come from within and that's Mm -hmm. why I focus on the positive parts of life because I think that there's a lot of beauty to life and a lot of people focus on a lot of negative things that happen in the world and I want to I want to promote the focus on all of the good that there is and I just thinking of the fact that we're all going to die you know there's a bigger picture here than like the minuscule things that happen every single day there's like 
material objects and all of that stuff, like getting money and, and bragging about all of that stuff that can be cool, but it's not like the meaning of life. It's mm -hmm. not why we're here. And that's really what I like to explore and why I focus on the positivity in life, because there are a lot of places you can look in metal where you can focus on the negativity, even if mm -hmm. it's just for theatrics and just, that's just not my vibe. You know, I want to focus on, on growth and exploration and, and the good in people and the interconnection of people and minds and how we can all help each other grow. And that's, what's really important to me. So that's definitely why that positive outlook is there. Hmm. I don't think we've had a discussion of um, positive outlooks very much so far. That's kind of interesting to hear. <laughs> it's relatively uncommon, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of surprised to hear that, but also not. Well, we've had people say that they want people to have positive impressions after listening to the music, but I don't think we've had many discussions of people that want like positivity in the theming of their lyrics so much. Yeah. Yeah, I think more discussion around like the value of confronting kind of the negative aspects mm -hmm. of, of life, that kind of thing. Like, so indirect positivity, I suppose, has been totally. a bit more common. Totally. Have you ever had any like pushback? And it would be like, you need to, you're, you know, this is metal. You need to be more dour. Brutal no. or whatever. Yeah. Frown <laughs> no, more, you never. know? No. <laughs> maybe, maybe like in my first band. Okay. I did. I had the little, but no, uh, I usually free or feel pretty free in my expression. And, you know, if people like the lyrics, then that's fucking awesome. But, you know, I've always, I don't know. I've always been about those kind of lyrics. Like I like to read Alan Watts and like, if you read cynic lyrics or death <laughs> lyrics, they're all introspective and philosophical and about growth and becoming a better person or dealing with the aspects that come in life the bigger picture aspects and that type of stuff really inspires me so that's kind of where I'm coming from so speaking of kind of bigger picture themes uh one thing we also noticed across all your releases is that there's a lot of metaphors and imagery of nature uh so the infinite nothing has a few but they're kind of restricted to space the words sun earth and void each appear five to six times uh, these words all appear in Dark Future, uh, but a bit less, three to four times. But now we have five uses of sea, two of waves, and four of stars. Uh, and then three skies and references to tectonic shifts, autumn and winter. And on the new release, we have three instances of waves, one ocean, two seas, five earths, two fire, two flame, four voids, six suns or sunlight. Uh, what kind of draws you specifically to these themes of the void, the ocean, the earth, the sun? Um, is the motivation for each different? No, I think it's just honestly focusing on the greater picture. And I've noticed that about myself and going back through my lyrics, I've noticed that I focus on all of those things and have thought about that. And yeah, it just, it really all comes back to the bigger, grander picture of life. And those things all um, are symbolic of that. Uh, even the void? Yeah. Isn't the void significant of certain aspects of life that you can get into the what like depression feels like the void mm. and that's a very big picture thing as well mm. Mm. well your second album dark futures um seems to be specifically about humans and their relationship to the planet uh, most bluntly in the ending line without us the earth will abide and endure 
Uh, without her, however, we could never be. Um, well, we could not even be. Um, what inspired this kind of framing for the album? Um, I guess that... I don't know. I guess that it was just getting into like, I don't really know. I don't really know what inspired it. I guess that it was just being out in nature a lot. I spent a lot of time in nature during that time in my life. I lived like right next to the ocean and I wrote a lot of it um, on cliffs in Santa Cruz. Mm -hmm. And that really was a huge inspiration for that album. And just seeing, you know, how I had a, a really good friend who committed suicide before I started writing that record. So I think that that set me off into kind of seeing, you know, the way that humans and the earth work together and just life in general. Hmm. Hmm. Well, yeah, I suppose building on that, like the final line um, is fairly straightforward for your lyrical style as a whole. Um, mm -hmm. Like there's no metaphor, no depiction of a scene. It's just a really kind of raw, straightforward statement that the earth will outlive us, yeah. um, but we will not outlive the earth. Um, did you find it kind of more kind of liberating or more kind of difficult to have such a straightforward, um, you know, message in a song like that? I think that's liberating. I think the line in itself is liberating. Just knowing that the earth that, you know, I, like I said, I focus on that a lot. We're all going to mm. die. <laughs> so that having that line was super liberating to put there. It's just okay. a flat out easy way to say it. It's similar to time will take us all. Mm -hmm. I like, mm. I like bold lines like that, that make you feel when you read them. Well, that actually kind of links to the next question we're going to ask, because I'd say broadly, um, we thought that your lyrical composition is, you know, it obviously doesn't read like a, a daily conversation, but the vocabulary you've used is, I'd say, mostly what people would consider familiar. Um, lines like, you know, you filled your pit with misery, so turn the page or fade into blackness until you break free. That's clearly a poetic form, but the words are things that the average English speaker uh, user would certainly recognize. Is having language that is kind of accessible something that is intentional or did it just kind of happen organic? Like, uh, did you consider balancing a more unusual lyrical structure with uh, this kind of familiar language? I have definitely considered that because I think that um, on our first EP and on our first album, there were parts where I'm like, you know, I'm almost, I think that a lot of the time, like technical metal can get caught up in its usage of big words that don't necessarily always mean anything to the people who read them, though they might mean something to the lyricist. So it's been something that I've definitely aimed to do over time to use familiar language because that's what I think that people resonate with. There's like a saying where things are supposed to be half, like 80% familiar and 20% non-familiar and that's what works or maybe it's even 90% hmm. familiar but uh yeah it's something that I've definitely aimed to do more over time because I like I said I want people if they do choose to read the lyrics I want them to at least be able to find something within them and if you're using too many crazy like scientific words I think that that can become like get really lost on people do you think that the emotional impact is greater if you use kind of more familiar language? Like, do you think that, you know, reading lines like the ones we've just, um, you know, talked about is 
I suppose, like a little bit more, I don't know, impactful, I guess is the best way I can think of to say it, um, than if you were to read them in language that kind of reads as more kind of like technical or obtuse. Absolutely. I mean, I think that like super poetic lines that are using like like pretty words you can relate to really easily, but the usage of scientific words are hard to relate to. I mean, I can't relate to them. Um, so yeah, I definitely think that when you kind of use more familiar stuff, when you're using analogies that people understand that, yeah, they're, it, it just... I mean, it's similar to like pop music, honestly, even though obviously I'm not writing like the pop music of lyrics. Hmm. Why, why is pop music so accessible? It's because everyone understands it right when they hear it. Mm-hmm. It's like if, you, if it gets a little weird, if it's jazz, well, that's not quite as accessible. And that's how words can be. You can write like jazzy wordage and it won't really make sense to people. But and then you can write it a little more, you know, straight laced and it makes sense. I mean, we've talked to some people in, you know, uh, especially in, in more proggy technical uh, styles that have talked about kind of enjoying the big difficult words, like looking them up and learning vocabulary or mm-hmm. saying that it kind of, since the music is kind of complex, the lyrics also need to be complex. Are these statements you've never uh, identified with? Like when you were a kid flipping through a lyric book, finding a new word, like, Ooh, that's a cool word. Is that something that never happened? Or is it something that you've just kind of faded away from over time? I honestly, I've always just related more to lyrics that weren't like that. And Mm -hmm. like I said, I, I like, that is what gets an emotional reaction out of me. There are some words that are great to look up. I mean, there, I'm trying to think of a word that would be, but like, you know, when it comes to weird, crazy, big words, I don't necessarily, that's not really my thing as much. I like, like, for instance, I came from like reading Sylvia Plath and stuff like that. I like like poetry that's, that kind of lays it out there. Mm. Um, not that I don't like looking up a word or learning a new mm-hmm. word, but but I really like to read things and and relate to them. Like, or if you read Jacob Bannon's lyrics for from Converge, you're not most of the time having to go to run to a dictionary to see what stuff means. Maybe sometimes, which is fine, but a lot of the time you can just read it, take it in, and you know what it means. Mm-hmm. And those are just the lyrics that appeal more to me. I mean. Some of my friends write lyrics that are about like, you know, monsters and whatever, and that's (laughs) their thing, but it just, it's not my thing. Have you ever felt any pressure? Like even when you were younger that like, oh, this is, you know, all all these other bands are writing about scientific medical language. I need to do that too, to be like, you know, to compete in the lyrical marketplace. (laughs) Uh, The lyrical marketplace. Not really. No, I haven't really felt that. Um, Maybe I let it rub off on me for a while, but not like to a crazy degree. Because I have this list here of like, I've been thinking about the lyricists who have inspired me. And as I'm looking at their names, it's like, yeah, most of them don't use like crazy, huge technical Mm. words and stuff. So I look to those vocalists more for like pattern placement. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, like elaborating further on this theme, one kind of um, stylistic change that we noted across your albums, um, you know, the last one we'll talk about, I think, um, is that the new album has a number of tracks that use kind of fairly short uh, monosyllabic terms. Uh, so, for instance, uh, the line with the highest sy- syllables um, in perpetual miscalculations is uh, further into a predetermined annihilation with 14 uh, syllables across five words. Um, if we compare this to your new single, I Am The Void, uh, the longest line has 16 syllables, but across 12 words uh, in I Can Feel The Sunlight Draining um, all, Us All Every Day Is Nothing. Um, no word in the song has more than three syllables, um, you know, comparison to predetermined annihilation that we mentioned earlier. And of the 191 words uh, on the track, um, 171, um, so just over like uh, 89% are monosyllabic. Um, so while this isn't like, you know, an absolute, um, other songs are kind of similar, like Oblivion has 169 words um, and 158, so 93.4% of monosyllabic and in Purgatory, um, the only four syllable word in a song um, title um, on the album, you have uh, 334 words, um, which uh, has 299 monosyllabic words. So, you know, 86% or so. Um, so compared to Melancholia, um, which is obviously five syllables from your second album, um, you have 313 words, but 254 are monosyllabic. So kind of 81% or Sea of Symmetry with 267 words, uh, 216 of which are monosyllabic. So again, 81%. Um, are you at all surprised to hear that there's say like an increase of like about 10% or so uh, in your use of monosyllabic words? Um, or is this kind of like more or less just a continuation of what we've kind of already discussed regarding, you know, your desire for um, striking but simple um, lyrics? It is definitely a continuation from what we discussed, but I am super surprised <laughs> to hear that. That's a fascinating <laughs> fact, uh, but it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. you you definitely have continued to strive for increased um i guess simplicity is a loaded term but like i I guess go back accessibility to go back i think yeah definitely um yeah it's never really simplistic but definitely accessible just because i also want to go back to my lyrics 10 years from now and remember exactly what i was talking about i enjoy that so i like that it's laid out a little more simplistic granted it's not like when we're talking about pop music mm-hmm. compared to what i do it's not that apples and oranges yeah 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 exactly but yeah it's fascinating to hear that because it's totally in line wow mm. so just as kind of like a little thought experiment um the music video for your new single mentions it's quote about the weight of feeling as though you cannot escape your own fears and anxieties uh, do you think the impact of the song or its theme would change if you use, say, you know, weighty words to express this kind of weighty feeling? Uh, like, why why use light, short words to express weight? I don't know. I don't think that it would change. I think that there are probably songs like in Black Static, which is kind of a similar concept I feel like I use a little weightier words in that song mm-hmm. um so no I don't really feel like the weight the weight of the song is determined by the weight of the words per se um yeah did that answer 
I, well, I, yeah, but I, I guess I'll I'll tweak it a bit further. Like, could you have yeah. a song that's mostly monosyllabic words that feels light? I mean, yeah, potentially, right? Potentially. I don't, I don't know why you couldn't. I don't know why you couldn't. Anything is possible as far as writing hmm. goes, I think. Hmm. What do you think? I, I mean, I'm a little surprised, I guess, to be honest. Like, uh, I've never, for instance, I don't know any, like, Carcass songs that feel light, you know? Yeah, right. I suppose it's like, like, you say it's possible, yeah, but I I, I guess I came, I, I wrote the question with the assumption that words with more syllables tended to feel heavier. And uh, maybe that's flawed. But Which I guess is also that's... potentially a linguist way of thinking yeah, about it, because we're I, thinking about moral weight and that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I mean... Potentially thinking of words like that. Yeah, you've got. But I don't know, does a word like transcendence sound weighty? Because that to me doesn't sound weighty. For me, it does. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Compared to like, is there a synonym that's shorter? Um, uh... Like thought. Uh, I don't know. Exalt. That being said, um, though, like just to like completely contradict my yeah. co-host here, I guess. Please like, go ahead. I'm Absolutely. thinking like you know, if we get take a mon monosyllabic word like "fuck," that doesn't feel mm -hmm. light to me. Like that does feel like quite heavy. But I think that's because of the impact that I associate mm -hmm. with it. So right. I can kind of see where you're you're coming from here. That like the syllable, like the amount of syllables, doesn't necessarily like correlate with like the weight we might like assign a given word. Yeah, it exactly. It's the weight that we have assigned a word. To me, that mm. takes precedence over how many syllables it has, because they're all the all words have preconceived notions about them. Yeah, mm. yeah. So you can't. It's hard to separate I, that out. Yeah, from... exactly. And I wish that I could think of a really good word that had a bunch of syllables in it that demonstrates the point. But I can't off the top of my head. You've got me on this. Oh, no. Well, that's not, my goal is not, it's not gotcha. It's just I'm, no, no. I'm, just but I, I, I'm, I'm surprised. Like if someone came up to me and said, "All right, we're going to talk about transcendence," I'd be like, "Okay, this is a heavy conversation." That's true. Mm. You are right. You are right about that. Where someone's like, "We're going to talk about like feeling better than normal," I'd be like, "Okay." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. You have a good point for sure. That's one that I'm going to think on and probably okay. message you guys about <laughs> after. We'll re-upload a little like edit yeah. of, of one of us, like text to speech, reading the message. Exactly. Okay. All right. So we'll put a, we'll put a pin in that one, I guess. It just, mm. it, it is, it did surprise me though. Cause I did, well, actually like um, I, this unprepared conversation does lead into what we prepared for the next question. So mm -hmm. uh, according to an article we read online, you study both philosophy and psychology in university. Um, and these are definitely fields that are known for rather esoteric terminology. So, uh, and then of course, metals itself. Is there any motive in kind of pushing back at the inaccessibility of these styles and how you write lyrics? Like, is, is it possible? Like, <laughs> is there a resistance of maybe reading a bad article that was written too thick? Because, you know, we, we've done that all the time as academics ourselves. Or is there any... Uh -huh push back against uh, metal itself having this kind of impression of, oh, you need to be esoteric? Um, I don't, there's no like purposeful pushback at all. Um, but maybe it is because I think that there are a lot of words that are used in both of those fields that like the layman wouldn't be able to really mm -hmm. understand without a little work. And I enjoy 
that there's some understanding to those words. So perhaps I could see why that, why I subconsciously could have done that. Um, but yeah, there's no purposeful thing behind it. Okay. All right, just yeah, yeah. spitballing. Yeah, it's just interesting because obviously you have access to all of this like mm -hmm. you know terminology that you could potentially integrate into like lyrics, but I've obviously chosen not to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I did more at the beginning. It goes back mm. to that self-auditing thing. Like I mm. would read through those lyrics and be like, mm, how can we say this in an easier, a, a, a way that's a little more obvious, but not completely literal. Yeah. And I think like as academics, we can certainly recognize like the importance of that skill and how difficult that skill is to like mm -hmm. execute effectively. So right. explaining a complex idea in a way that's like really simple for any person to understand is actually really difficult a lot of the time. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever gone too easy? Have you ever like made something simpler and then like, oh, I need to pull that back. It's actually just, it's too straightforward. Like oversimplifying? Yeah. Yeah. Um. Only by my own standards, but then I'll run it. I'll run things across Naveen, and I'm I'm trying to think of something that I've done that with. Uh, but I'll run it across Naveen, and he isn't, you know, he hasn't studied philosophy, and he's not a <laughs> linguist and all of this stuff. So he will be like, "No, you've got to keep that simple mm -hmm. pattern," because I'll overanalyze my lyrics a lot. Like I think of these things a lot. Am I? being a little too obvious with that does that need to be said in a more complicated mm -hmm. way so i like to run it across him because i do think that a lot of people are more casual metal listeners mm -hmm. who who maybe if i lay it out a little clearer they'll understand a little more or they'll relate to it a little easier mm -hmm. because i do think that i do think that there are times when lyricists get caught a little too much up in what we're talking about in the mm -hmm. in the fun of someone discovering a new word in their lyrics and going off to find to learn about it like people will go way too far into that and then I think that completely takes you out of you know like for me I can't relate to those lyrics at all mm -hmm. so though I'm not drawn to to bands like that mm -hmm. um so I try mm -hmm. to be the opposite of that to some well not the total opposite, but to a certain extent. Well, further on the subject of things that don't exist um, in your lyrics, um, you don't seem to be a fan of rhyme or swearing because um, we couldn't really find much of either. Uh, at most, it looks like you'll allow one rhyme on a song. Uh, the Interior Wilderness has So I Lay uh, in a Cold Bed Carved from Stone to Rest My Head. Um, but that's it. Uh, and I'm in uh, I Am the Void has uh, a universe inside of me still I can't see. But again, that's kind of the extent of it. Um, mm -hmm. And this is even uh, visible on prior albums too. So like, is this, again, like intentional for you? Did you kind of like move away from or avoid rhyme on purpose? Uh, I don't avoid it on purpose. I just, if a line calls for it, then I'll do it. But some lines I just think sound, I guess, weird or cheesy if they mm -hmm. rhyme too much. <laughs> so I'll stay away from it a lot of the time. As far as uh cussing I purposefully I do not like mm -hmm. to cuss in music it's just something I've always sort of had an aversion to like it's just not my style to go to like say fuck or I I always think that there's a better word to find to explain mm -hmm. what I'm talking about 
Um, so yeah, that's a super conscious choice, but it's cool for other people. I'm not against it in other people's music. I just, there's an element of like, I don't know. It, for me, I just feel sort of immature. Like there's immaturity to <laughs> if I do that. Like, do you swear in like your everyday life at all? Or oh, generally yeah. not? Okay. I mean, sh- sh- you swore more in this podcast than on your entire discography. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I was going to say, I probably have sworn like a sailor on this. I swear so much in real life, but mm-hmm. I think that it's because, you know, I was so into English when I was a kid and then studying that stuff and, and just being a fan of reading. And I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't like throwing that stuff in in albums for some reason well i guess given that you're a fan of you know a fan of literature fan of reading i, I guess i'm kind of go back to the rhyme thing um mm-hmm. you'd expect someone that's a big reader to you know be into rhyme a little bit right i guess in theory or is this a, is another one of my um you know thoughts that doesn't actually isn't actually <laughs> I, real <laughs> i guess it depends on what kind of mm-hmm. uh like reading you're into mm-hmm. i've I like poetry that doesn't necessarily rhyme. I like mm-hmm. like, you know, abstract poetry, not rhymes most mm-hmm. of the time. Mm. Um, yeah, it's just never really been my thing, I guess. But like I said, some rhyming sounds really sick. And I'll definitely throw that in. But um, yeah, it can you sound said cheesy. When a line calls for it, what makes a line call for a rhyme? That's a good question. I don't know if I hear it and I think, I guess the, the lot, I don't know. I have no freaking idea. I have no (laughs) idea what calls for it. It's just like, if I hear it, it's, it's some part aspect of hearing it. And I'm like the next line, just if it rhymes, it's gonna sound good. There's no rhyme or reason. Huh. Huh. Um, so with the rhymes you have written though, uh, then did they come out like you were just writing? It's like, oh, there's a rhyme there, cool. Or are there times you've been like, oh, this 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 could rhyme, I should put a rhyme in there. Yeah, no, it was I I think it was I should put a rhyme in there. Hmm. Like all okay. the, I'd give it all to pay my due. It won't be long till this night is through. That line mm-hmm. just I guess the, the riff just made me think that it needed mm-hmm. a rhyme to it. Mm. Well, that was what I was going to ask because it has more to do with like, you know, the melody or riffs um, that you're kind of working with. Does that kind of drive you to include a rhyme? Yeah, totally. Totally. Mm. So again, thought experiment. If you had a song, like if you took one of the songs (laughs) you've written and every single uh, stanza or whatever rhymed, like, you know, A, B, A, B or A, B, 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 whatever you want to do, Mm -hmm. uh, would you think that would just make the song feel really silly to you? No, not I well, every single one, maybe. I've definitely found myself listening to songs that have like that going on. And I'm like, mm, I wish that they would kind of stray away from this a little bit because mm-hmm. yeah. But it I don't know, like with everything else we've talked about, it really depends on the song. I mean, sure, sure. some some stuff some sounds stuff. better rhymed. And but a lot of the time in metal it's cheesy. <laughs> a lot of the time it is okay it just depends um i, I think me and jess were going to hit up the same question which is just kind of kind of tile this together uh what would you say broadly is the role then of lyrics in your band's music and more broadly what do you think is the role of language and lyrics in the extreme metal genre that we uh you know all enjoy 
Uh, the role of lyrics in my band is definitely like the tying of everything together, um, just like vocals. Like I, I find the lyrics to be a pretty important aspect of my band. They determine the way the art looks, you know, all of our imagery is based on those words. So, mm. and to a large extent, the music is shaped by those lyrics. So, you know, if there are lines that I think should be drawn out, then Naveen will, I'll have Naveen repeat riffs and mm. we, we work that way. So it's really important. It plays a big role in my band and the way that my band appears. Um, and what was the other question? Was it how they apply in metal? Yeah, more broadly, what do you think is the role of lyrics in the genre that like, you know, to I guess the, the kind of impetus behind the question is that a lot of people that aren't fans of our genre listen to it and just think it all sounds like noise, right? So why yeah. why even say anything? What is the purpose of language in a genre that kind of often hides language, hides what's being said? Yeah, I mean, the thing is that if we determined all of life that way by like, oh, well, when I do this, half of the people think that I'm doing it because of that, then most things just like wouldn't even matter. Mm -hmm. So I think that lyrics play a huge role in metal. The outsiders for them, yes, it's a noise. It's a primal noise. And if they care to dig deeper into the lyrics, then they will and they'll find something. But broadly over metal, lyrics mean a ton of different things. Some bands, you know, in hardcore, a lot of it is like, you know, taking control and, and you can't get me down and shit like that. And then there are political lyrics and there are progressive metal lyrics. There are concept albums that tell stories. Um, there are like theatrical cannibal corpse lyrics that are about kill, kill that are more horror movie stuff. So I think that they cover like a super broad, they have a super broad meaning throughout them. Mm. And I think they're very important. Um, maybe someone else would say that they aren't, but in bands that I care about, I care about their lyrics to a great degree. And I can assure you that there are a bunch of fans like me who are dying mm. to learn the lyrics or a, a line catches their ear and they're like, okay, now I have to get into this person's lyrics because that one line was amazing mm -hmm. um and there are a lot of people in metal writing super meaningful lyrics so i think it's like the coolest genre for lyrics honestly i mean so i think it's it's really important plays mm. a huge role well obviously we agree <laughs> yeah <laughs> or we wouldn't be doing this yeah yeah <laughs> totally well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us. Uh, so this, as we mentioned, is currently scheduled to come out just a little bit before your album drops. Uh, where can people go, though, to uh, listen to it when it's when it's out there in the world? When it's ours and not yours anymore. Yeah, when it belongs to all of you. Yeah. Uh, check us out on social media. Go into Google, type in Entheos. Uh, you can find all of our stuff. TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Facebook. We're on it all. Uh, if you want to know anything more about the lyrics, then just hit me up and I will oh. gladly send you messages about it. It's I love talking about it. So and it was very cool to do this podcast as well, because like I said, a lot of people don't like when I'm doing interviews, it's very much about, OK, how'd the band form? How do you mm -hmm. get to this? What's the album overall about? 
no one goes through and finds like connections between the albums. So it's really cool to do this. But yeah, thank you. All, all, yeah, thank you guys for doing it. Um, so yeah, all those places and Metal Blades website, most <laughs> importantly, go pre-order an album. Well, we'll definitely have that link in our mm. description for this episode. So you can Wonderful. go and find that really easy. And I guess we should uh, uh, caution anyone that, that does Google you, though, that the the Entheos that is on um, Encyclopedia Metallum is not you. No, it's not. We are not. Uh, I've actually contacted them about this. We, believe it or not, are not uh, metal enough to be on that site. We're too progressive. Oh, I'm sure it's a, a very, you know, mathematical standard that they have that. Yeah, very <laughs> yeah, scientific. Very scientific. Know, yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure that we couldn't find anyone on that site that's not just, you know, objectively metal. Absolutely. I know. I know. You know, it's fascinating to me. They don't. Well, and also makes me happy between the buried and me is not on there and neither is the contortionist. So I feel really? like we're in good company. Yeah, we're mm. all too prog. It's weird. There's some I I there's a um I, I do a bit of research on Japanese metals uh, at the moment and there's a Japanese like grindcore band um and they get they're not allowed because they incorporate um Japanese drums and so they're too experimental oh and it's God. like it's it's a guy with a guitar and a bunch of drummers screaming uh you know grindcore but the drums aren't like they have they have traditional drums but they also have like you know taiko. And I found like the the forum post be like no they're not allowed it's it's too it's too experimental it's not metal enough it's like what I don't I don't understand a very useful website we you know no, don't want to yeah slag them, absolutely but. it's been been useful but some of those decisions do seem a bit arbitrary especially because like by that logic then what is Thonic not metal like because exactly. they use traditional instruments yeah <laughs> yeah I know it's it's super arbitrary um but yeah it is a good a good tool they have. On the other hand, like a million metal bands on there mm -hmm. that are from a thousand years ago, so you can find pretty much anything mm -hmm. on there. Except you're, for you're no, you, but you are on there. Mm. Yeah, everyone in my band is yeah. on there. That's you have a profile, but the when they click active bands, the you, your band link doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so dumb, so stupid. <laughs> well, whatever. We're gonna yeah. overcome that Encyclopedia Metallum. You can't stop us. So. Yeah, yeah right, well, eventually. This, this episode is here as proof. You were on yeah. Lingua Britannica, a metal. Which is, yeah, we only so. we only interview certified metal bands. So there you go. Certified metal. There we go. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Great. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Thank you very much. That was amazing. Awesome. Uh, appreciate yeah, appreciate your time. And yeah, can't wait to hear the full album. The the single yeah. has been amazing. So really looking forward to seeing it like in a whole kind of package oh yeah i can't wait for you to hear it man hell yeah cool. all right have a good night you guys take care peace see ya thank you for listening to lingua Italica. we hope you enjoyed it and we hope you stay tuned for our next episode before we leave we just wanted to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin nation and the gadigal people of the eora nation we pay respects to their elders past and present